Well, this is the second week of our sermon series called Dare to Draw Near, and I mentioned last Sunday that during the season of Lent, we're going to be exploring what it means to draw near to God and why we can even dare to do this. And so today, as part of this series, I want us to look at our gospel passage. It comes from the eighth chapter of Mark, a very well-known and famous passage, but in it, Jesus presents us with an invitation, an invitation to draw near to the heart of God. Uh, And in doing so, he shares with us what it looks like to live a life in close proximity to God. So he invites us to to draw near. Uh, And that's what I want to explore by looking at the passage today. Now, just some context for you, sort of what, what has happened before our reading. Immediately before our passage, Jesus is walking along the road with his disciples, and he asks them, who do people say that I am? And his disciples say, well, well, some think you're John the Baptist, some think you're Elijah, others say you're a great prophet. And then Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And at that moment, Peter answers very famously. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Peter, at that moment, he identifies Jesus as the one anointed by God to usher in God's kingdom. And it is right after this, it is right after Peter names Jesus as the Messiah that our uh, reading picks up. And I'm going to look closely at the reading. You may want to grab it, just have it in front of you. I'm going to go through verse by verse. If you're at home and have a Bible, again, it's Mark chapter 8, begins at uh, verse 31. So he's just been named as the Messiah. And so this is how our passage opens. Jesus begins to teach what it means that he's the Messiah. It says this, Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly. Now this this business of having to undergo great suffering. For the disciples uh, to see in Jesus and to recognize him as the Messiah, and then to hear that he has to undergo great suffering, this would have seemed so contradictory, so counterintuitive. And and I know that we've we've heard this passage probably hundreds of times. We read it a lot. And yet during the Lenten season, it is beneficial, spiritually beneficial, to simply meditate on this word from Jesus. That the Son of Man, the Messiah, must undergo great suffering. I mean, why the must? What's the purpose behind this suffering? Why does Jesus see this as so critical uh, for his, his ministry to suffer? You know, suffering is not something that we tend to uh, glory in. It's not something we, we celebrate in our lives. We tend to glory in our health, in our success, Uh, in being recognized and respected. But suffering, 
Uh, we try to avoid it, understandably. And yet here, Jesus says, as the Son of Man, he has to suffer, has to be rejected, die, and rise again. And yet I doubt the disciples even heard that last part about rising, because at this point in our passage, and this is the next verse, Peter, we are told, has had enough. Peter has just named Jesus as the Messiah, but now he takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. And, and I like that little detail that he takes him aside, as if he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to embarrass Jesus in front of the disciples. But he reprimands Jesus. He chides Jesus for bringing up the necessity of suffering. But then, of course, we read that Jesus, in front of the disciples, so they can hear it, he rebukes Peter. And he says this, next verse down, Get behind me, Satan, because you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Older translation I read, which I, I like, it says, you are not savoring the things of God. You are savoring the things of man. You know, the disciples, they just can't understand this. And they don't get their heads around this until after the resurrection. It just doesn't make sense to them. And so they refuse to embrace it. And you see, what they, what they couldn't see, what they didn't understand, is that when Jesus speaks about suffering, he, he doesn't believe that suffering is good in itself. Right? That's, that's not what Jesus is saying. And we, and we know that. I mean, suffering can be awful, often is awful. It can lead to bitterness, often leads to death. Suffering in itself is not what Jesus thinks is necessary. No, rather what is necessary is what lies behind the suffering. The suffering that Jesus is describing is a suffering that has behind it this incredible love, a love that desires solidarity with those who are in a mess. Jesus must suffer so that he can enter into our suffering. Jesus understands God's will is this, that he is going to usher in the kingdom of God, not with a sword, but with love. And he's going to do this by identifying with humanity so deeply that in some mysterious way, on our behalf, he will bear our griefs, our sorrows, and our sins. He will bear these burdens for us. You know, I say it's kind of mysterious how Jesus does this, bear, bears our suffering. And yet, um, I do think we see this in our relationships of love. I mean, love does this. Love sacrifices. Love bears burdens for others. I remember um, when my children were very little, especially my first child, Clara, she would come home and she would have her little sufferings that children have. Maybe she wasn't included, maybe said, someone said something mean to her. And when I saw that suffering, I did what every parent did. I didn't back away. Instead, I wanted, to, I wanted to enter into the suffering with her. And if I could, I wanted to take that suffering and bear it myself for her. That's what Christ comes to do. And God, we're told, made himself 
small enough to enter into our world to bear our sufferings. In fact, we're told that Christ, he would rather be on a cross with us than in heaven without us. He takes upon himself our suffering, our brokenness, and our sin. Now at this point in the reading, there's a transition. And Jesus begins to talk not just about himself. He now moves to the disciples. And he begins to connect his suffering with the suffering that he calls his disciples to engage in. He says this, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Jesus' suffering is going to reach its climax on the cross. And Jesus says here that like him who will bear a cross, we must bear one as well. Just as the Messiah will bear the burdens of others, bear the sins and sufferings of others, Jesus says, you as my disciples, you as my followers must do this as well. You must share in this work. I'm not the only one doing it. You must come alongside and share and participate in this work with me. Now, what does that mean? How do we do that? Uh, Malcolm Muggridge was an uh, English uh, writer and TV producer. And in 1969, he produced a little document, documentary on Mother Teresa. And then two years later, in 71, he wrote a book about her. Uh, and in the late 60s, Mother Teresa was not very well known around the world. And Muggridge is credited with bringing her inter international attention through this uh, TV show and this book. But, but in, in the book, he has this great passage. And he talks about Mother Teresa, how she bears the burdens of others and how we are to do the same. He writes this. He says, Mother Teresa exercises what I call the ministry of the strong back. A ministry of the strong back. It is a ministry that God calls all believers to join. The ministry of the strong back is bearing the burdens of others. That could be pulling the dying off the streets of Calcutta, but it will more likely be pulling a grieving person close to our side, helping a friend who is in a bind, easing someone's financial load, praying for a person at a moment of crisis, relieving the stressed-out mom for a couple of other hours, or telling a ministry leader you can be counted on to serve. There are all kinds of burdens we can carry on our backs, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial, relational, and vocational burdens, just to name a few. And then he ends by saying, the ministry of the strong back takes more than muscle. It requires an uncompromising resolve. God calls us to enter into the pain of others and to carry some of it away with us. That isn't easy or convenient. However, when we do it, we obey Jesus, who carried the biggest burden of all, and we take an important step in fulfilling his law, the law of love. 
The line I really like in that passage is when Muggridge says, God calls us to enter into the pain of others and to carry some of it away with us. St. Paul, he, he puts it this way in Galatians. He says, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And Paul sees this as so central. If you want to, you want to boil down all the, the instructions and teachings that Jesus gives us, St. Paul says, you'll get to this. Bear one another's burdens. That is the law of Christ, according to St. Paul. To enter into the pain of others, to carry it away. Now, I don't know about you, but that is, to me, a daring invitation. Right? To bear the burdens of others by sharing in the work of Jesus. Um, it's daring, and it takes courage, because our instinct is going to be to turn away from the suffering of others, just like the disciples did. We, we don't want to suffer. Um, we want to be comfortable. Why would I take on the suffering of another? And yet, Jesus says, this is the way of life. Again, it's not easy. It's not convenient. But he says, if you want to follow me, this is what you do. This is what God intends for you. And so then Jesus, as part of this, um, he, he ends with this invitation and with this statement. He says, for those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. That's, that's worth reflecting on. Those who want to save their life, want to try to protect it, hoard it, he says, you'll lose it. But if you if you lose it, if you give it up for others, you will save it. C.S. Lewis has a great passage in The Four Loves that I think is helpful here. Uh, Lewis is just so good at, at phrasing things. But this is what he writes. It connects with what Jesus has just said. He says, love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap your heart carefully with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, Lewis says, that casket which is dark, motionless, airless, your heart will change. It will not be broken. Rather, it will become unbreakable impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to the cross, or at least to the risk of the cross, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. A strong, strong word from, from Lewis. But again, to be a follower of Jesus, it is to allow his love to become your love. And in Christ's love, it makes you vulnerable. It causes you to get entangled in messy situations. It makes you hospitable to people you may wish that you had never met. And it can lead to us to suffering as you seek to bear the suffering of others. 
But you see, Jesus says that if you don't do this, and again, if you try to hoard this little life of yours and try to protect it, try to wall it in, then he says what's going to happen is you're going to lose it. And that's not just pulpit talk. I mean, you will find that your soul shrivels, that your circle of friends grows smaller and your sense of God becomes vague. And so Jesus says, instead of that, instead of that path, suffer with me, bear burdens with me, lose yourself for me and for the gospel. And he says, if you do this, you will discover life and it will be full and it will be rich in God will be very real to you. That is the daring invitation that Jesus gives to us today, to bear one another's burdens as Christ has borne ours. Amen.